as our uh, students leave this morning, want to remind you where we are in our in our sermons during during this season of our church. We're we're going through a membership series of thinking about what it means to be a church member, um, talking about um, that concept and that idea and how it impacts and applies to our life and our setting and our congregation. Well, we talked about last week that the, the, the biblical word for church just simply implies that there are members, right? We talked about the ecclesia is the, uh, the assembly or the gathering. That implies that there are people. You can't assemble without a group of people. It, it, it's, it's necessary for that definition. Not only do the biblical word for church imply people, but also the biblical metaphors imply that there's people in the church or that there's membership within it, right? We talked about how we are bricks that are built into a temple for the Lord. We are individual body parts that make up the body of Christ. We are a family of individuals yet connected uh, by one father. So these are all one thing made up of individual parts. These metaphors that the Bible used to describe the church implies that there is a membership to those components. So in the end, we said that the church is people. The church is people. The church is the collection of God's people. And based on the nature of the church, it has to have membership. It has to have people that populate it. And you can't have church without members. But... One question we might ask is this, why does a church need to be local like it is? Why does the church need to look something like what we have here on a Sunday morning? Why does it need to look that way? If you think of the church, if you, if you thought about theologically, what's the definition of the church? Really, it's all the saints from all time over all the earth, right? There's one big C church. Meaning God knows exactly who his people are from the the oldest believer, maybe Adam, all the way up to the person that just got saved right now. Those are his people. He knows them. That is the church from all time, from all places, everywhere. So that's what we call the universal church. It's all the people of God gathered from all of time. Yet we see in the Bible these local expressions. So the church of God is universal, but it's also Local. We see those local expressions in the Bible. I want to read for you guys, not from the Bible at the beginning, but this is a history of this church that was put together in 1969 at the 60th anniversary. Um, I believe, uh, who was the pastor at that time? Brother um, uh, Kosart. I'm, I'm pretty sure him and, and a committee put this together. I don't know who did. But in it is the first uh, uh, minutes of the business meeting that happened. On January 27th of 1909. I want to read that to you. I find it interesting. It says this. The church was organized on January 27th of 1909 in a schoolhouse with 12 charter members. It was named the Hattonville Missionary Baptist Church. If you didn't know, this town was called Hattonville initially. The name was changed to Commerce Baptist or First Baptist in August of 1914. And here are the minutes from that first meeting. The meeting was called to order by Reverend W.F. White, the moderator. After he read a portion of the 12th chapter of Acts, the opening prayer was by Brother Phelps. Brother uh, Cargyle uh, was received in full fellowship, or you could say membership, with the church. Brother O. James was received as a deacon. Brothers J.L. Miller and C.D. McClellan were elected as candidates for deacon. Goes on to mention this, the charter organization or the charter people were G.L. Miller, Jeannie Miller, C.D. McClellan, 
Mrs. S. E. McClellan, Mrs. Nellie Morgan, Mrs. Lydia Stevens, Mrs. Lydia Lester, Mrs. Nora Coffett, Mr. and Mrs. McAfee, Jim McAfee, and Mrs. Stella McClellan. So interesting, that first group of people that was here, those first folks that kind of considered themselves Baptist, they didn't say, hey, let's just meet each other when we're at the market. Let's not just see each other. Let's form a church. Why did they feel compelled to do that? Well, I think it's because they're following this biblical model of establishing a local church that's a tangible expression of the universal church. Again, we're all part of that universal church, yet we establish these local uh, communities that we call a local church, whether it's First Baptist, First Assembly, First Christian, First Presbyterian, whatever that might look like. We establish these local communities of believers that hold to the same beliefs so that there's a tangible expression of that universal church. So as we think about why the church is local, I want to take you to the Bible and we're going to look at various scriptures to show us why is it that the church needs this local expression? Why is it that we form these local, tangible, visible expressions of the universal church? Before we do that, let's pray and ask God to help us understand his word. Father, we come before you and we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your word and it gives us guidance Um, It gives us commands on how we are to live, and it gives us examples to follow. And so, Father, we pray that as we, uh, the First Baptist Church of Commerce, seek to follow the example of the church in the the Bible, God, we pray that you would help us to to live that out in a way that's glorifying to you. God, we ask that you would help us to, as, as a people, as a unit of people, that we would grow together and grow toward you and help one another serve you better and complete your mission to create a people all over this earth that glorify you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning I'm going to give you four reasons why we need to practice local church membership. Four reasons why we need to practice local church membership. The first reason is this. Number one, it's biblical. Number one, it's biblical. The main reason we should practice local church membership is that we see it in Scripture. Again, the phrase church membership is not in the Bible. You can't turn to the book of church membership and the words join a local church are not in the Bible in that order, in that way. Yet, while the phrasing's not in the Bible, the evidence for membership is all over the New Testament. And we're going to go through and look at several um, instances in the scripture where you can see that there is this idea of a local church membership, knowing who is part of that church. Um, So we see that. This is kind of a subpoint under biblical. It says this, the church, uh, number one, the church was keeping lists. The church was keeping lists. As you look in the book of Acts, um, if you want to, you can turn to the book of Acts. We're going to kind of walk through that to the right. So if you turn to the book of Acts in your Bible this morning, book of Acts, we're going to start off in chapter one and kind of get prepared for your fingers to do a little bit of walking, okay? Because we're going to look at various scriptures this morning. Acts chapter one, verse 15 Right before Peter preached that sermon that we just heard uh, the tail end of, it says this. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. And it says in parentheses, the company of persons was in all about 120. So right there in the very first, there was this, this group of people that numbered about 120. And they were aware of that number. They were aware of how many people were in that group. So from the very beginning, they knew who was in and who was out, who was among them. 
If you continue on to the right, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. We just saw that. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. If you're going to add to something, you have to have something that was established before, and then you're adding to it. So this implication of there's a number, and then there's a a higher number as a result of adding to it. Added to that number about 3,000 souls. Continue, look a few verses down in verse 47. It says this, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Go to the uh, cha- Acts chapter 4, a few chapters over. Acts chapter 4. It says uh, in cha- Acts chapter 4, verse 4, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So you can see this number is growing, this, this cognizant number of who is part of the church is growing. By Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Then you see Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Acts chapter 5, verse 14 says, And and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So again, this number, this idea of who is in and who is out is there. And then finally, by Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number. Again, there's this concept of we can see that we're growing and we know what that number is. Now, in addition to this list, there's also within the church in 1 Timothy, it mentions that there's a, a, a list of widows who are qualified to receive help from the church. So the church was keeping these lists. So we see that in the Bible. So number one, the church was keeping lists. Number two, the church regularly gathered The church regularly gathered. If we look back in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44, it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were together. There's this, this, uh, this, this idea of the group of people being all together. And then in Acts chapter 5 verse 12, it says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's portico. Solomon's portico was a, uh, a covered place where the people would gather kind of to hang out or to fellowship or something like that near the temple. And they gathered in that, that covered area all together. It says they were all there. So you can see the church was keeping lists. They knew who was part of that number. And then that list of people was gathering together, getting together in a specific place. Number three, the church, uh, the church wisely voted on things. The church voted on things. Second uh, Corinthians, so we see, um, you don't have to turn to Second Corinthians, but it speaks of the majority of the people. So if you're going to have a majority, you need to know what that number would be. And then also in Acts 6, chapter 2, verses, uh, or sorry, Acts chapter 6, verse 2 through 3, um, when the apostles were approached about there being an issue about there not being fairness among the distribution of food to the widows. Um, The apostles heard about this problem that the Hebrew-speaking Jews were, uh, Hebrew-speaking widows were being favored over the Greek-speaking widows. They said, hey, this is a problem. The the apostles, the kind of leaders of the church said, this is a problem. You guys pick out seven guys that can lead this. He pointed to the church and said, you guys pick that verse. uh, I'll read that to you. And the 12 summoned all or summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word 
of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven good, uh, seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And then verse five, what they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose. And then verse six, they set before the apostles. So the church was gathered together and they made a group decision on who would be part of that leadership. So again, we see this local manifestation of this group of people acting uh, for the Lord. And then there's a few other places that we see this, um, this idea expressed, but those are going to be our next few points. But as you can see through most of the book of Acts, you can see this, this clear idea of the people of God knowing who, are, who is part of that people. And they had responsibility for one another. They were interacting with one another. They gathered together with one another. They voted as a body on certain things. They were together. This idea of a local church membership is biblical. It's biblical. And we're going to kind of, some of these things are going to overlap. Our next two points are going to be um, the kind of last points of this other part here. But next, number two on on the overall outline of this sermon is this. Uh, why do we practice church membership? Number one, it's biblical. Number two, it makes the one another's of Scripture possible. It makes the one another's possible. In your uh, bulletin this morning, if you, if, if you were able to grab one, you have this small uh, piece of paper in there. We're going to reference this a little bit, but this is the one another's of Scripture. The one another's of Scripture. Throughout the New Testament, the Greek word for one another is alelos. In Greek, it's just one, or in English, it's one another. And there's over a hundred instances of this word in the Bible, and 59 of them are a commandment of how we are to interact with one another. 59 instances of a command about how we are supposed to interact with one another. 59 commandments to us. So, if we're going to live those 59 commandments out, if you want to follow the Lord, and you're not part of a church then you can't really live out those 59 commandments well because they're spoken to the church and how they should interact with another. I'm not going to read all 59 of those. I've condensed those into this list that we'll look at in a little bit. But just to think about a few of those. Think about a few of these one another's. Be devoted to one another. That comes from Romans 12. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 12 again. Carry each other's burdens. That's Galatians 6. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's Ephesians 5. Submit to one another. That's Ephesians 5 as well. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10. Encourage one another daily. Hebrews 3. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. 1 Peter 4. And this is a bonus because it doesn't actually use that one another um, word, but... It's something that you should do, do together. Hebrews 10 also says, do not neglect meeting together or gathering together. So you can see there's a bunch of commands in the New Testament of how we're to treat one another. And local church membership allows that. Imagine if I said to you, you need to follow those commands with people not from this town that you've never met. That would be impossible. If you don't have a local expression of the church, we can't really carry these out. Now, I know what you're saying. We got Facebook. We've got Zoom. We've got all kinds of technology. We can do all of these things digitally now. But think about when this was spoken, that concept, that idea 
uh, was not possible. Sure, we are to interact with people who are uh, just Christians out in the world. We should love any Christian, anybody. But when Paul's speaking this, he's speaking it to a group of people that he assumes are just going to be in their city, possibly their whole entire lives and never leave. Right. They're gathering in their one place their whole entire lives. And he says to them to do all of these different things. So it enables us to live out these one another. How does it do that? Well, one, you know who you're responsible to. You know who you're responsible to. You know who it is that you're supposed to help. You know who it is you're supposed to love. You know whose burdens you're supposed to bear. You know those people. The local church membership makes that clear, that who you're responsible for. And it also lets you know who's responsible for you. When you're down and out and alone in the world, who is it that you should turn to? You know the local expression of the church is where you can go to receive that help, to receive that, um, receive prayer, receive spiritual guidance. You know not only who you're responsible for, but who is there to help you as well. There's clear, um, a clear place for you to look. So local church membership makes these one another's possible. Number three, local church member, membership makes pastoring Possible. It makes pastoring possible. I'm going to read a couple verses to you. Acts chapter 20, when Paul is speaking to the um, some the uh, the elders, the pastors at uh, in Ephesus, he says this to them. He says, "Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock." Referring to the people of God, referring, uh, pay attention to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So it seems like there's a specific people that Paul is telling them to watch over. He's not telling these pastors, hey, watch over every single Christian everywhere. He says, watch over the flock that's among you, that's been given to you. Also in Hebrews 13, it says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So a pastor is somebody who's given a specific group of people that he's to watch over, and he gives an account for those people's souls to the Lord. Now, can you imagine if it, um, just put yourselves in my shoes? Imagine if I was supposed to care for every person's soul that was a Christian everywhere, even if it's in Ottawa County. That would be impossible for me to do. Most of you are like, you're not even great at that. Over these people, right? I'm only one person or, or, or at that, if we had a, a plural amount of pastors, it would be hard for us to take care of every soul. Imagine if we didn't even know who those people were. Imagine if there was no clear-cut people that we're, we're dedicated to. Now, I want you to think of this as an example because, again, you could say, well, Tim, aren't we supposed to shepherd, uh, aren't we supposed to serve everybody? Shouldn't you be united with any Christian? I think that's true. I think we should love and serve and care for any Christian anywhere. That is 100% true. Yet, think of like an example of a doctor. A doctor has responsibility for specific patients. If he were to come upon somebody like a wreck or an accident, yes, he interacts with those people. He takes the Hippocratic Oath. He has to help those people who are in need. Yet, regular day in, day out, outside of some kind of emergency, he has a group of people, he has a list of people that he's caring for and watching over. And I think that's the same picture we have in the Bible of pastors. There's a specific group of people that they're called to watch over and that they therefore give an account of their souls. 
So local church membership makes pastoring possible. It makes it clear who a pastor is supposed to be responsible for, and it allows the church to know which, uh, who, who their spiritual leaders should be. So local church membership is biblical. It makes the one another's possible. It makes pastoring possible. And then finally, it makes missions possible. It makes missions possible. All of us, not all of us have the same giftings. We each have different giftings. We have different roles that we play. If all of us were supposed to be song leaders, there'd be 40 of us up here on the stage and none of us in the congregation. If all of us were supposed to be um, uh, people who were, were preachers, then we'd have, we, we couldn't get through the list. Uh, if we were all supposed to be an eye or a foot or a hand, we, we wouldn't be able to, to work together. But because we have different roles, we're able to complement one another and accomplish the mission God has given us. We all have different roles, different giftings. We have different spheres of influence. There's people in your life that I will never, ever even meet. But you have a close relationship with them. And God has called us to reach the people in our area. And again, there's people you know that I don't know, people you're going to meet that I'll never meet, and God has given you that sphere of influence. We have different passions, different things that we're passionate about. Um, Some people are passionate about student ministry. Some people are passionate about um, Operation Christmas Child. Some people are passionate about um, outreach to to, to the police and fire department. There's all kinds of different passions we might have. There's also the fact that we each have good days and bad days. Isn't that right? There's some days, maybe weeks at a time when, man, I just feel down in the dumps spiritually. I don't feel like serving the Lord. I don't feel like witnessing to people. I'm just really down. But maybe during that time, you're up and you're excited and you're on fire for the Lord and vice versa. Maybe those times when you're down, the people around you can be fired up for the Lord. When we have a local church that's that's working together, um, there's synergy there's synergy. You know what synergy is? It, it, it's the idea of one plus one is three. It's when you work together with people, you actually produce more than what you would individually. And that is so true about a local church that says we're going to covenant together. We're going to work together to reach our world and to help each other become more like Jesus. Because if you took all of our individual ministries that we do outside by ourselves and added them up, That wouldn't be as high as if we're all working together to do that ministry. There's a synergy that happens and it makes missions or fulfilling the mission of God possible. Because again, there's going to be some parts about Christianity, some parts about missions, some parts about reaching out that you struggle with. But there's going to be other parts of completing that mission that you are great at and you excel at. So not only do you need the local church to live out your Christian life, The local church also needs you. The local church also needs you. None of us can say, hey, I'm not really that important. What if your foot said to you, the rest of your body, hey, you guys are just always walking on me. I'm at the bottom. I'm not at the top. I'm out of here. You guys don't need me. We would, that would not be true, right? You need your foot. So in the same way, the local church is comprised of individuals that work together to complete this mission. So as we, as we end today and we're thinking about, we can see, I hope by the end of that sermon, you can see that the local church is this tangible, visible expression of the universal church of who God's people are. And it's important to a lot of aspects, just simply being biblical, living out those commands of being one another, having, having a shepherd over you and knowing who that person is, 
completing the mission of God, all that depends on Christians working together to accomplish this mission. So as we close, I want you to grab this little piece of paper. Your challenge for the next week, you'll take this paper. Does anybody not have this? If you didn't get one, I have some up here. Um, if, you want, if you want to grab one or if you want a couple of them. I want to challenge you to go through that and look at that list and begin to think. Would it be possible for me to live these out if I wasn't part of the church? Would it be possible for me to live these out if I wasn't part of the church? And begin to think, how can I start to live this out with the members of the church? Because, as we've said, the fact of us working together and banding together as a group, as as the people of God, makes God's work visible on the earth. So it's important for us. I want to end with this quote by Michael Fawcett. Speaks of the importance of church membership. He says this: Nothing grows a Christian like a serious commitment to a single church week in and week out for years and years. Not conferences, not social media, not even personal devotions. The local church is where mature Christians are slowly forged in the fires of mundane faithfulness. That simple idea of living together, working together, covenanting together is where we can grow the most as Christians. So let's pray that as we do that, as we commit to saying, hey, let's live life together, uh, week in, week out, caring about one another, bearing one another's burdens. Let's pray that we can, as the people of God, begin to reflect his image more in this town, in this city. Pray that we can become more like Jesus as we work together. Let's pray.